0: Thank you for tuning in to Journey Church's podcast. We are so excited that you decided to join us for our sermon series Unfinished, where we discuss how our current situation is not our final situation and God's work in our life is simply unfinished. Hope you enjoy. Uh, we are on part three of this sermon series that we're calling Unfinished, which is also the vision for our second year of life as a church and in our first installment of this series, we talked about what it means to be unfinished and that in Philippians, Paul calls the work good before he calls it finished. In other words, you don't have to be complete to complete, right? You can be where you are right now in your condition and God can use you. In fact, God looks at your condition right now as incomplete as it is and he smiles at it. He doesn't condemn it. He doesn't judge it. He's, he's going to leverage it to use you in your sphere of life. Last week, we talked about, in the meantime, what to do while we were waiting for God to finish. Anybody blessed by that message? What to do? Heard a lot of people, uh, taught me that it, it really helped, and uh, we, we brought out a professional makeup artist and makeup kid, and if you missed it, you missed it. Don't miss service, because it gets good. And, and so, and today, um, I, had to mix, I had to mix it all up. Today, I had to take a turn. We had another message completely planned for today. But I felt after hearing the news in Las Vegas and then still reeling from Puerto Rico and wait till the end of the worship experience, we're doing something so revolutionary in Puerto Rico. I'll share it with you later at the end. But hearing it all, I thought, man, I'm starting to feel hopeless and I'm starting to feel helpless. And if I'm feeling that way as a pastor, I got to imagine there are some people in our church who feel the same way. And so I wanted to bring a message that would give you hope. I wanted to bring a message that would leave you here smiling, that will leave you here believing for better things in the future, believing that you can change the world, which is why we have titled the talk today, How to Change Your World. How to Change Your World. Can anybody use some hope this Sunday? Just eight people? Okay, you're way better than me. I said, can anybody use some hope this Sunday? Yeah, man, I know I could. Uh, Because I think sometimes uh, when we hear the news, like I said, we we, we tend to get this really bleak picture of what our world is like. I've heard a lot of adjectives lately on the television about what our world is like. Some people have called it uh, bleak. Some people have called it dark. Some people have called it broken. Jimmy Kimmel on live TV said that hell had opened a window to, 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 to this earth and this world. And, uh, and I've heard a lot of people use a lot of words to describe the condition of our world. But i got to be honest. I think if we gave God a microphone, I think if God was here, and he is, and we asked him to define what this world was in his eyes, I think he'd define it in one word, and it'd be this word unfinished, because don't judge what it will be by what it is. I think God's got a plan, and you and I as the church are a part of that plan to fix the brokenness that's in the world, and so it might be dark now, but this is not the last chapter of the story of the world. This is an unfinished story, and we get to play a very important role in the restoration of this planet, because I want to encourage you, as dark as you think this world is, this is not the darkest time in the history of the earth. There have been darker times. specifically reading in the book of Philippians, the church of Philippi. When Paul wrote to the church of Philippi, it was a dark season for that church. Um, there was, aside from the fact that they didn't have many of the laws in that city that we have today that protect us from you know, robbery, murder, those kinds of things, It depended on your status in society if you got any of that protection or not. In addition to that, they were the only Christian church in a city without a church. Could you imagine being the only church in your country, the only church in your city trying to live in a world where you got certain values, but everything in the culture is counter the values. Can you imagine that kind of world where you got values, but, but everyone around you has got different values than your values, and all of a sudden, you got getting labeled as bigots. You start getting labeled as hate people. You start, can anybody imagine a world like that where, where the culture that you live in looks at you like you're the one with the problem? And they're getting persecuted, and they're not getting jobs, and they're getting beaten, and they're getting thrown to lions, and they got a lot of issues going on. And so they're writing to Paul, the apostle, the one who started the church. They're like, hey, man, you just started this thing, and you up and left? Uh, we need some advice. Uh, we need some counsel. Can you help me? Because there is a lot of things going on in the world. But interestingly enough, here is Paul's response. He, 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 he pretends like nothing's going, like nothing's going on. He totally skips over the fact that they're suffering from persecution. He totally skips over the fact that the emperor right now is trying to kill Christians. He totally skips over the famine. He totally skips over all of the trial, all of the tragedy. And this is what he says in his sixth sentence of this letter. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you. If I was the Philippians, I'd be like, that's great, within me, within me. Um, um, my cousin just got fed to a lion on Tuesday. And so. I appreciate what God's doing within me, but I got some problems outside of me. And if you can please just take care of what's outside of me, then then we worry about what's what's within me. But Paul didn't do it. In fact, the only current event he speaks about or even addresses is some drama that was going on in the local church. Which, by the way, if you don't like church because, because there's drama in church, and I don't think that we have a lot of drama here. I don't think we have it, but I just want you to know, the original church had drama. Because as long as people are a part of a church, a church is not going to be perfect. Yeah, yeah. Say amen. You know it. Say amen for yourself. This church became imperfect the moment you became a member. Amen. <laughs> amen. And me too. The moment I became the pastor, we got problems. And, and the church has says. And look, look what Paul says. He doesn't even talk about all the crazy stuff going on. He says this. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. I'm like, my cousin got eaten by a lion. Yeah, 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 but stop complaining. <laughs> Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish. Here he goes. In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as light in the world. See, I thought Paul was being insensitive by not addressing the issues that were happening in the culture at the time. But he wasn't being insensitive, he was being strategic. He understands what's going on in the world, but he also understands that the hope for the world cannot be found in the world. And so he doesn't talk about the politicians of the day. He doesn't talk about the laws of the day. He doesn't talk about the weather of the day or the hurricanes of the day. Or at that time, it wasn't a hurricane. It was worse. It was a famine. He doesn't talk about the droughts or the famines of the day. He talks about what's going on in the church and what's going on in you. Because the hope of the world is the church. And he knew that if he could get the church right, he could get the world right. And so he said, I'm going to just focus on the church because if I can get the church right, I know that the church will get the world right. But the problem is the church is made up of a bunch of people. And so in order for me to get the church right, I got to get the people right. So first he says, let's talk about what's happening within the church. And then he says, let's talk about what's happening within you. Because in order to fix what's wrong out there, we got to fix what's wrong in here. That's why the title of this message is intentional. It is not how to change the world. It is how to change your world. Because if you can fix what's broken inside of you, and if I can fix what's broken inside of me, then my family will be inspired by what's going on in me. If my family gets transformed, then my neighbors start looking at my family. What's going on with your family? I go to Journey Church. Awesome, let me come to Journey Church. And then all of a sudden, my neighbors turn into my community. My community turns into my city. My city turns into my state. You were the hope of the world, but only by focusing on your world first. He said, the good work within. You, within you, you, you've got to fix this first, man. I'm counseling somebody right now. Um, he has a serious drinking problem. He brought me in his life to, uh, to, to counsel him, to encourage him. And, and so I'm counseling him, I'm talking to him. And we got on to the, you know, the topic of motive, you know, like what's going on with you. And this is what he told me. He goes, I think I have a drinking problem. No, he said, I know. He said, I know I have a drinking problem because I don't make a lot of money, he said. He said, and I'm sad about that. And so I drink to drown out my sorrows. And I I said, okay, uh, so what's the plan? He said, well, I just put in for a promotion. He said, I think I'm going to get it. I said, awesome, and then what? He said, I I think I won't have a drinking problem. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, and how will you celebrate once you get that promotion? He said, well, I'll probably go drinking. I said, yeah. It's our natural instinct when things are going wrong in our life to spend our focus on what's happening outside first than what's happening on inside last. You know people like that. I know people like this all the time. People who haven't seen in, in three months or four months at church, they'll call me out to coffee. I'm like, hey man, are you okay? It's been a while since I've seen you. Like, you know, I miss you. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I just got to get my life right. Once I get my life right, then I'll come back. And I'm like, dude, this is where you get your life right. You don't fix it on the outside in. You fix it from the inside out. That's how God does restoration in your life. Once you start to get good, then all of a sudden the things around you start to get good. You got to get your heart right before you get your house right. And so and so and so that's what we're working on. So that's what I want to help you with today. I am going to teach you how to change your world by telling you three things that you can change right now that you have the power to change. And here's my... Honest belief. If you can change these things, these three things, right now in you, you are going to change your family. You're going to change your relationships. You're going to change your home. You're going to change your neighbor's home, your community. You're going to change the world. I know that sounds like a big statement, but it's 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 the honest to God truth. It was the plan. Hey, this whole thing called Christianity started with one man. Then to twelve, then to seventy two, then to one hundred and twenty in an upper room, then to three thousand outside of that room. To the, to the millions of people who are around the world right now on this day, Sunday morning, lifting up their hands and worshiping God. I know you feel insignificant, but I want you to know you are the hope of the world. And if you can change your world, not just your geography, your relationships, not just your geography, but your, 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 your family. If you can change your world, we will all change the world. And so here's the things that you need to change. Ready? And I need to. The first thing we all need to change is we need to change your prayers. Change your prayers. The moment a tragedy happens, social media feed everywhere, right? Pray for blank. As soon as someone goes down, pray for blank, pray for blank, pray for blank. And let me tell you, that's a good, that's a good post. You should post that. We posted that. Pray for blank. That prayer is good, but when you finish praying that prayer, can I introduce you to a better prayer? Here's a better prayer. And I learned it. I wish I could say I learned this years ago because that would make me f- seem real mature as your pastor. And you could trust me better knowing that I'm, you know, years advanced into this thing called Christianity. But the honest to God truth is I learned this a month ago. And it has it is just flipped my prayer life upside down. I think if you catch it, the revelation of it, it will flip your prayer life upside down too. I have a neighbor. His name is John. I've shared his story with you guys before. Well, his wife passed away um, about a month and a half ago, almost two months ago. And John didn't go to church. John, John didn't believe in, in, in really in God or Jesus. Or, and, and I began to pray for John when his wife passed. Um, and I said, you know, Lord, would you just help John? Hashtag pray for John. We put it on social media. Pray for, pray for our neighbor. His Wife passed. Pray, pray for him that you, would, that you would soften his heart. Pray for him that he would understand who you are. Pray for him that, you would, that he would have a revelation of God's love. Pray, I pray for him. God, I just do it. Do it in his life. And when I started praying like that, the Holy Spirit quickened me right there, convicted me. He said, J.J., that's a good prayer, but I got a better prayer. I said, go ahead, God. What's the better prayer? God, give me the boldness to share with my neighbor John about the love of God. I was like, well, that is a lot harder than just praying for you to do it. Um, He said, no, pray, pray, God, give me an opportunity to share the gospel with John. Give me an opportunity. And so I started praying that prayer a month ago. God, give me an opportunity. I stopped praying for John, and I started praying for me, for me to have an opportunity to speak life into John. And guess what happened? I'm looking, praying for an opportunity. Hurricane Irma comes, and as I'm walking outside my house, I see an opportunity. His backyard is wrecked. Trees all over the place. He's got a big backyard. He's got a ton of trees. We actually went there for love day with our church. We had four people cleaning his yard. And I'm over there, And Liz is like, you should go help him. I'm like, girl, how about we should go help him? She's like, no, you should go, you should go help him. I tell you, I call Liz the Holy Spirit. That's Liz's nickname. That's why I call him. Because when she said that, my prayer came to my mind. What, I have, what have I been praying for the past month? God, give me an opportunity. And so I see, the, so I see this wrecked, and so I'm like, <sighs> all right, and I, go, and I go out there, and I start cleaning the dude's yard, and it's a lot of stuff, and I, God bless his heart, but dude's lazy too. He's just sitting on, he's got a tractor, and he's sitting on the tractor, just barking out orders. Move that over there, and move that, and I'm like, okay. He got a 12-year-old son in the house. While I'm cleaning, I said, "I said, bro, is your son all right?" <laughs> he said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he got some he got some mental, mental, mental issues." I said, "Oh, well, does he have physical ones?" Because <laughs> I could sure use some help in this yard. And so I served him, man. I served him. It must have been two or three hours. I served him. And then we're outside. He's just saying, "Jay, I just want to say thank you. There's no way I could have got that done. And I said, that's great, man. Can I be honest with you? And I just unloaded the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. I loaded the gospel. <laughs> I unloaded the gospel, you know, and I just told him about how much God loved him. And, and you know, and he, was, he didn't want to make a commitment right there. And that, so I said, that's fine. Um, so I, I, went, I, went back, I went back to my, my house. Um, And then a week later, I got a text, and and the text message said, and I guess he had found our podcast somehow. The text message was a direct quote from the first message that I ever preached in this church, which was a message of salvation. And the theme was, it doesn't matter where you are, it matters where you're going and knowing where you are. And he quoted me the exact verse, and he said, thank you. It's ministered to my life. That would be the last text I ever got from John. Four days later, he passed away. And there could be a lot of guessing and a lot of speculation, but I'm going to tell you what I choose to believe. I choose to believe that when he heard that message and he heard the last 30 seconds of that message, they said, and if you know where you are today, and if you need Jesus Christ in your life, I want you to lift your hand on the count of three and accept Jesus Christ. And I believe that he made that prayer before the ambulance came and took him. And ever since that day, my prayers have changed. I used to pray, God, bring people to Journey Church. Now I pray, God, give me the boldness to invite people. I used to pray, God, send leaders to Journey Church. God said, I got a, pray- I got a better prayer. Help me be a leader who builds leaders. I used to pray, God, help my children, my sons, Justice and Zane, to fall in love with you. Guard them and protect them. I want them to grow up in love with you. God said, That's a good prayer, but I got a better prayer. God, help me be an example of your love in their life daily so that they can fall in love with you because they fell in love with me. Help me be that. Help me be that. I wonder what prayers are you praying right now that God is asking you to turn inside? God, help me with my kids. They're crazy. I raised them up in church, but now they're not in church. Help me out, God. I need your help. Maybe God's saying, flip it inside. Maybe it's, God, give me the patience and the wisdom to bring them back home when the time is right. Give me the right timing to be able to share the gospel with them. Maybe the prayer you're praying is, God, give me finances. I need money. I'm broke. Maybe God is saying, that's an okay prayer, but I got a better prayer. Give me the foresight and wisdom to invest and the discipline to create a budget to be able to maintain my finances. What if God is flipping it on the inside? Ask yourself that question. What prayers are you praying externally right now that God is asking you to turn within? You got to change your prayers. You got to change your prayers. Number two, you got to be able to, oh, let me tell you real quick the reason why. Not because God doesn't like doing things for you, but because he much rather do things through you. He don't want to just be your provider. He wants to be your partner. He wants to hold you by the hand. He wants to change the world together. Amen? I'm so glad he's not just my Lord and my Savior, he's my partner, and together we have a community here. That's what the church is. Jesus, the body of Christ, partnering with the Holy Spirit to make a difference in the world. So change your prayers. Number two, change your perspective. Change your perspective. You got to change your perspective. I told you guys this story before. I'm going to share it again because it's just true and it's honest and it's funny. When I was a kid, my dad took me into a haunted house one time. It was in Virginia Beach. It was the hauntedest haunted house I'd ever seen. It's terrible. People jumping out. The exorcist little girl was on the bed doing exorcist things. I'm like, aren't you a youth pastor, bro? What are you doing taking me to these places? And, and I'm freaking out, but not my dad. He loves haunted houses. Not because he loves being scared, but because he loves, he loves scaring the scarers. Anybody know somebody like this? Goes to the haunt, goes to Halloween horror nights, and they jump out and they're like, ah, and they're like, ah. He walked through that building with such confidence, with such certainty, that the monsters just quit. It was like they had a microphone in their ears and they were like, no, we got another one. Uh, We got another one in here. Just just don't put the chainsaw down. He's not going to, no, just. And I'll share that story with you because he was actually able to change his atmosphere. He didn't have to say anything. It's, listen, did you know that you can change your world just by the way you see your world? Because where other people saw monsters, he saw actors. Where I saw fear, he saw faith. Where I saw uncertainty, I knew it was a haunted house, but whatever subconscious lizard brain part of me thought, I don't know if we're gonna make it out of here alive. He knew that we were gonna make it. Paul was a master. At, at, at having certainty in uncertain times. And boy, could we use some certainty in these uncertain times. You wake up one morning and it's a terrorist attack. You wake up the next morning and it's just straight up evil. You wake up the next morning and North Korea is gonna send a nuclear missile. Every morning you wake up, it seems there's just more uncertainty, more uncertainty, more uncertainty. Look to the life of Paul because he had a way of seeing certainty in uncertainty. Look what he said, this is crazy, this man is on another level. Look at this. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20 through 23. What you need to know is that Paul is on death row. He's on trial. And if the, if the emperor finds him guilty, he gets beheaded. If the emperor finds him innocent, he can go back to ministry. And so this is what he says. This is where we enter. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20 through 23. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. Look what he says. Whether I live or die. In other words, my, really, it's out of my hands. I don't know what the judgment of the emperor is going to be. It's out of my control. So he says, he says, he says I trust. I trust. I trust. Come on, somebody. I trust. I trust in my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. I can start more churches. I can write more books. So I don't really know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. A part of me wants me to get beheaded so I can just go to heaven and this thing just be over. Because this is hard work. But the other part of me wants to stay and help you guys grow as believers. I don't know. Do I want to go or do I want to stay? They're both so good options. Do I want to live or do I want to die? I don't know. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Catch a tiger by the toe. Plan a church, get my head cut off. Either way, I win. How is it possible to have certainty in uncertain times? I think Paul understood uh, something I'd like to teach you right now. Paul understood the three levels of control. If you're taking notes, this is why you get those little worship guides when you come in, so you can write down all the smart stuff that I say, okay? And so I want you to write three levels of control, okay? There is what's, what's in control, okay, or what you're in control of. That's better. What you're in control of, okay, there is what's out of your control, okay, and then there is what is under control. Don't fall down. Awesome. There is what's in your control, what's out of your control, and what's under control, a lot of times, this level of control steals our joy, steals our peace, steals our hope, steals our faith, makes us anxious, makes us doubt, because there is so much of life that is out of control. I knew somebody who, 40-something years old, ran marathons, healthy as a fuck, died of a heart attack one day, out of the blue. Your health is out of your control, as much as you'd like to think that if you eat oatmeal every morning and you jog, for, like, it's, I, I don't want to freak you out. It's just out of your control, Right? A lot of what life happens is is out of your control. And so Paul is looking at out of your control, and he's saying, man, I don't know if I'm going to live or die. This is out of my control. I don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next week. But this doesn't freak me out. Because even though I know what is out of my control, I also know that what is out of my control, see, this is Others this is others, this is uh, evil, Uh, this is all the bad things in life, all the people that are trying to hurt you, all the things that can happen, this is your tax returns, because nobody has no idea how that works, okay, one year you get a thousand dollars, the next year you're in jail, all right, it's just crazy. Other evil tax, evil tax returns. It's out of your control. It seems like it. These are all the things that are out of your control. Here's what Paul's saying. I don't, it doesn't bother me because I understand what's out of control, but I also understand that what is out of my control is under God's control. And that's perspective because when you understand that what is out of your control is still under God's control, it frees you to focus on what is in your control. And now you can be successful. Now you can be happy. Now you can make the most of your life. Instead of living till you're 80 and then being happy that you made it at 80. You get to 80 and you're like, I did it. I didn't get blown up, didn't get shot, no car accidents. I did it. I made it. I did nothing. And that be the pride of your life. But if you let go of what is out of control, understanding that it is under God's control, you can look at what's around you and say, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to walk through this haunted house because I know how this thing ends, and I'm going to make the most of my life. I'm going to make the most of my moments. I'm going to make the most of my gifts. I'm going to make the most of my talents. You know what Paul did when he realized that what was out of control was out of his control but still under God's control? He started looking around, and he said, what is under my control? What is under my control? Okay, okay. Hey, you got a pen? Hey, jailer, you got a pen? Yeah, why? I don't know. I got the urge to write two-thirds of the New Testament from a jail cell. Come on. He was able to change the world with this Bible right here because he wasn't worried about what was out of his control. He looked what was in his hands and he said, I can control this. So I'm going to use the things I can control to change what I can't control because I know who is under control. Don't freak out. Have faith. Know that God... Got your back. Man, you can take this out, Josue. Thank you for your, for your help. We you got awesome stage hands. Here's the last one. I'll ask the worship team to come up as we close. Turn your Bible to Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. The first thing was you need to change your prayers. Then you need to change your perspective. And the last thing is you need to change your position. Change your position. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 8. Here's how it goes. You can read it on the board with me. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Here it is. Here it is. And he took the humble, say it with me. I couldn't hear if you said it, so say it again. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. This is what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine that this is all creation. Okay? Creation. This is creation, okay? Jesus came to change creation and shape creation. And you have to understand something about Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was the firstborn of creation. So that means that his rightful place in creation is where? Because he's the firstborn. Literally, John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and everything that was created was created through the word. Create. He was the firstborn of creation. He should be here. But when he comes to change the world, he doesn't come in this position. He comes. Oh no, I didn't need you here. I meant the drums to so play some music. <laughs> he comes. <laughs> Such a good servant. You're awesome. Come on, just stepping in the last position. That's just Phil all the way. He runs our Serve Saturday, by the way Serve Saturday. So he just, that's all he knows. He just knows servanthood. That's all he knows. Just jump in the back position this is where I live. And so when Jesus came to change the world, though, he didn't come in the first position. He came in the humble position. He was born in the smallest town, in the smallest country, Bethlehem of Judea, in the smallest room, a barn, in the smallest box, a manger. Talk about last place. Right here. Why? Because he knew that you can't change from here. You can only cause change. From here, Now, that goes opposite to what we think because we love to be first, don't we? Oh, we love being first. Oh, yeah. I know. I was just on a plane, uh, and, and there was, they, they said, it's a full flight. Would anybody like to check their bags? That's code for you better get on that plane before everybody else, before they make you check your bags. You're the one guy stuck with your bag. And so they said, I was zone six. And I, was, I wasn't paying attention because I was working on the message for today because I, I just flew in. I was working on the message. And they said, and they said zone five. And I was like, oh, man. Zone six is next. and I came and there was a crowd of people <laughs> I'm a little ashamed and I'm, I'm just I got, my, I got my bag I'm just stalking just <laughs> stalking the. <laughs> I gotta get here to preach guys okay I'm just stalking that front of the line it says zone six I say whoop Zone <laughs> six here's my here's my ticket <laughs> yeah, don't judge me pray for me okay don't judge me just pray for me cut that line quickly you've done it too you know, when you're in the shopping line, and there's that lady who's got three shopping carts, she's paying with pennies, and you're next, but the line next to you opens up, you see the cashier coming, you are eyeballing her, but everybody else is eyeballing her too. You're like, because you're not sure she's going to jump in yet, and you're kind of like testing it out, and then when she, you see the, the light come on, you're like, whoop, I was next. <laughs> I was next. I was next. I was next. No, she wasn't next. I was next. We love to be first. And we think that you should be able to make change from the front. After all, if I'm the leader, you got to do what I say. But that's where the shift happens. Because being first will put you in charge. But being in charge doesn't necessarily cause change. You see, if I'm the leader and I say, follow me, you got to follow me. Follow me. Good. Follow me. You better follow me. You better get in line. I'm in charge here. Follow me. Yeah. You better live right. Stop smoking crack and then do good things. And you better do right things. And don't watch those things on television and stop robbing people. Live right. Boom. But God already tried that. That was called the law. And it failed. Listen, let me give you more, more real so we can. This is why marriages blow up a lot of times. Because we have husbands who care more about being in charge than causing change. And so we say, the Bible says I'm the head, get the tail, so get behind me, woman. I mean, I don't say that. But there are some husbands who say that. And guess what? If she's a great wife, she, she might understand her biblical response. She might say, okay, you know what, I'll follow you. That's what the Bible says. But that's change that's happening on the outside and not really on the inside. And change that's not happening on the inside is not change at all. But get behind your wife. Support your wife. Serve your wife encourage your wife and watch how what's on the inside begins to match what you wanted to see on the outside. That's why parents sometimes get into it with their kids. I'm your dad. I'm your mom. You got to do what I say. And that's fine. They'll do what you say until they don't have to do what you say. And you thought they were good kids. They weren't good kids. They were just staying in line until it was their turn to lead. But if you want to change what's on the inside, it's not going to be from the front of the line. It's got to be from the back of the line where you wash feet, where you encourage, where you believe, where you pray, where you declare, where you speak goodness over their life. It's, Papa, you can do it. I can't wait to see you grow up. I believe in your dreams. Go ahead. You walk. You go where God's telling you to go, and I got your back. If you want to change the world, you can't change it from the front. You got to change it from the back you got to change it from a position of humility, from a position of servanthood. This is where God stood. This is where God wants to change the world. Could you imagine if politics, if politicians went to the back of the line? What would our government look like? If they said, you know what? You're more important than my agenda. I'm going to, you go ahead and do it. Can you imagine what your home would look like if every time you walked into your home, you went to the back of the line? Could you imagine what your work would look like if every time you stepped into your office space, you didn't walk in there with a spirit of entitlement, but instead you walked in with a spirit of gratitude, and you went to the back of the line saying, I'm here to serve my job. I'm not just here to get a paycheck. I'm here to make sure everyone else succeeds. I'm here to make sure everyone else wins. That's how you change the world. Would you stand on your feet? I want to thank you guys. Give it up for our helpers here. Come on, stand up. I want to pray with you today. Here's what I'm asking for. I'm asking for a commitment. You don't have to make it, but I'm asking for a commitment. I'm asking for a commitment to go to last place voluntarily, to go to last place in your office, to go to last place in your marriage, to go to last place with your kids go to last place, you know, on the, on the, on the basketball court with your friends, to, to go to last place with your neighbors. So I, I'm challenging you to go to last place, are you ready? On the Starbucks line. I dare you. You see somebody running late for work, and they're like, oh man, I just, because you know how we usually are, I'm late for work too. Should have got here early, like the rest of us dare you to go to last place and say stupid pastor JJ hey you look like you're in a rush go ahead go ahead go ahead go ahead I got you not you but her she looks like she's in a rush. you could go I do gotta go to work too so I challenge you to look for opportunities to change your position because if you could change your world what is your world? Your world is everywhere you go. Your world is every person you meet. Your world is, is every co-worker you walk past. Your world is every neighbor who lives in your neighborhood. Your world is every cousin, every uncle, every second cousin, every brother. You don't got to change their world, just change your world. Just change the way you interact with people. Change the prayers you pray. Change what you see. Every head bowed and every eye closed, here's your opportunity. If you're in this room today and you want to make a commitment to get in last place. When I say three, I want you to shoot your hand. Let's, I, I hope, I'm not going to force anybody because I don't want you to do it if you don't mean it. But I just think we could change Winter Park if we all left here in last place. If that's you and you want to make a commitment to be in last place, when I say to three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on, shoot it up. Shoot it up. If that's you. don't. If you don't want to, if you don't mean to, okay. Amen. Hey, with your hand lifted up, I want you to pray this prayer with me, all right? I want you to pray this prayer because hands lifted up means signs of surrender so this is what you're doing when your hands lifted up you're saying i give up my place i give up my place that's what you're doing i give up my place all right i give up my place As a matter of fact i pray it in your own words Put your hands lifted up would you begin to make that commitment to god right now if you need someone to lead you in prayer you can follow me if you need someone to lead you in prayer you can follow me but make it personal here's my prayer father god here i am i i i I, i've tried it my way for the longest time and things are not working my world is still in disrepair My issues are still prevalent. I still got doubt. I still got fear. I'm still bumping heads with my coworkers. My boss and I are still not getting along. I don't even know my neighbors. People are getting killed in the streets. I'm wondering if there's anything you can do, Lord. And God is telling you right now, oh, I can do something, but I don't want to do it for you. I want to do it through you. If you would surrender your life to me right now, together, we can make a change. Together, we can change your world. Together, we can change your home. We can change your community we can change your neighborhood father god we give you our lives change our world through us so that we can change the world well make it personal for just 10 more seconds you know exactly the areas god's asking you to go in last place in so begin to bring those places to the lord's attention right now you know exactly those places begin to bring that to the lord now awesome awesome amen amen i want to make one more special prayer Maybe before you can ask God to take over your world, you need to ask Him to take over your life. Maybe there's someone here who was invited by a friend, a coworker, a family member who really doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's good. This is the church for you. That's what we do. We bring all of our family and friends here. We want you to know the hope that we have. His name is Jesus. And so if you're in this room right now and you think, I want what you got. I want what I see this person next to me in tears as he's praying. I want what he's got. If that's you, when I say three, I want you to raise your hand. We want to pray for you that you would start a relationship with Jesus Christ right here, right now. If that's you, and you're in this building, you want to start right, start fresh today. One, two, three. Shoot that right hand up in the sky right now, right now. Come on, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Come on, pray this prayer with me. If you raise your hand, and church, let's pray it together. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my past. Today, I start anew, fresh. Jesus Christ, I'm not perfect, but you are. I put you in first place. I go to the back of the line. Lead me. Change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, there were six or seven hands. Let's make some noise for Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to hear how this ministry is impacting your life. If you have any prayer requests or would like to share your testimony, please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. Our team will be there ready to celebrate and pray with you. If God is using this ministry to bless you in any way, you can help us spread the word by making an investment today. You can give at journeyorl.com slash give or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again. Have a blessed week.